Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. I nailed it that time. Uh, in today, Frankie Cardicelli, as always. How you doing, Frank? Great. Yeah? Doing great. All right. Good. Good. It feels like it's been a minute since we recorded. It's been like kind of seven, seven days, days on the die, I think. Seven full days. But, we, but maybe we miss each other. We haven't I been guess. golfing much lately. Yeah. So. That's what it is. Yeah. It's been way too hot. Um, joined with us today is the man that we last golfed with, Jason Ross. Jason... Uh, Jason was recently seen changing out his uh, Twitter bio and liking several, several posts on uh, on Twitter. Jason, okay. got anything to say about that? Uh, nope. Yeah. You just follow me on Twitter. Yeah. That's how. Yeah, you just know how. Yeah. Exactly. Why when you follow Jason, you know what, what you're getting. You know, you're stirring up problems. Stirring up the pot. Always the problem, child. That's what I do. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Thank uh, you. you know, Thank we you. Know, I know you're super busy all the I time. I like to return how, and roar. How, you know, always. <laughs> roar. How is your summer going? Because like with the off season, do you get kind of down? Do you miss the Kings at all, or do you kind of just enjoy watching the playoff basketball? Probably all of it. I mean, I I love play, I love basketball. I love playoff basketball. I wish the Kings were in playoff basketball, but I miss their games. I mean, I miss being at the games, miss watching them succeed, fail, all the things that we gripe about or love about the team, mm-hmm. all of that. So it'll be here again soon. But yeah, I, I miss them. So me and Frankie talk about the Kings once a week, and I feel like legitimately every week we talk about how, or at least during the season, especially towards the end, we were just like, we were tired of it. How do you find, I guess the passion's the word, to talk about them every day? I mean, I guess you don't have to talk about them every day, but like, just the day-to-day grind of like, I don't know, like the team's exhausting. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a normal basketball situation. It's not, a lot of the times it's not fun to talk about. Like, how do you... Yeah, I know what you mean. I I guess I try not to get caught up in the things that are exhausting. So if I really try to take it, and this is going to sound cliche, but like when we're doing a show or a post game, the the game specifically. So like there's always drama going yeah. on, but getting caught up in the drama as opposed to why they just beat Charlotte or lost to Charlotte or what happened tonight's game, what was the difference in the fourth quarter, kind of really zeroing in on specific things. But when it gets into the drama and the mess, I mean, that, that can be exhausting or tiring, mm. but... That stuff never goes away. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you've been – I don't mean to sound say you're old. I don't mean to sound like the other Chris. No, but it's, you've uh, been doing it for so long, Jason. I'm old. Just like, Didn't you, you say know. your first week was the – it was the, the week, week of – You were born, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, my birthday's <laughs> like this weekend, so you're – your birth, my birthday, and your birthday at the we're station. We're celebrating together. Yeah. We're so, yeah. So your, Frankie is a visual representation your, I, of Jason's I, career. Your career. Yeah. yeah, this is it. So as, feel, as Frankie you're grows, my yeah. baby. How do you feel about that? Um, Not I'm, great. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what has been created. Okay. Well, hey, there we go. <laughs> now there my mind's go. really going on this because obviously you do so much with the Kings. Like, how do you? I always am wondering this too. Like, you're you do the post game show for the Kings. Mm-hmm. How do you so quickly just? automatically know like what storylines to talk about what I mean even like what happened in the game like are you and Henry and and G-Man talking throughout the game of like I mean obviously G-Man's doing the game are you guys talking kind of like oh like this has been a really bad stretch for Buddy and it feels like this is kind of where the game or like you'll always talk about you're really good at this mentioning like first timeouts like oh like Luke took a timeout first quarter and then the rest of the game things were completely different like just, was that just kind of repetition of watching games? Or? Yeah, I guess maybe, and just observing things. And, I mean, I'm not saying my – that's just what I feel are, are keys or important things that happen. I usually keep track of the game, too, so I'll write little notes and go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I want to remember that 
that third quarter alley oop was that you know I'll ask Henry was that one of the best dunks you've ever seen you know and that's something the whole and Twitter and everybody's talking about but some other play or a subtlety or hey why did that player only play 18 minutes oh yeah remember he picked up his fourth foul with two minutes left yeah. in the you know second quarter and that was a huge play and how different would the game have been so just I guess doing it over years and just feeling like what's most important in some of the games yeah. just trying to keep mental notes of that yeah and like one of the things that I've noticed about you most over the years is like you're optimistic most of the time. I don't see you get too down or too negative, which is kind of tough, and a lot of people do. Some look at that as a good thing or a bad thing. I know that I've been kind of uh, chastised before people, because I people I, view it as a bad thing because I'm not insane. negative. I, mean, uh, I I've have viewed it and described it as I don't see what the point is to come on Twitter or whatever and complain and and rant, and it's just not going to change anything. I like to look at the positive things and hope things get better because what else are we supposed to do? Is that kind of the angle you take that you just you'd rather be optimistic and positive, or how do you kind of view just how have you viewed and dealt with the past fifteen years? I just think I'm that way in general, but I don't want to be like if it's not going well. I think I'll say it's not going well, but I think a lot of times the real the most negative place is social media, and so when the Kings this year had a couple of those long losing streaks, honestly, I felt it. I didn't think, God, how are they ever going to win? It just how can they win and they're going to win again, but it just when you're in the middle of it or you have a terrible game, I think people just go to the extreme. Like this team will never win. Fire the coaching staff. Get rid of every player. And it's like you can't do that every game. I mean, I just and so um, I don't know, even look at playoff series that were uh, look back at the Nets and the Bucks. It was two zero Nets, and the second game the Nets were up by forty nine and won by thirty nine. I heard people say a lot of people they're not going to win four. The Bucks aren't going to win four out of five. Why? Why? Just by the blanket statement, they're not. The odds weren't good. They did do it, and they won Game Seven on the road. So it's just every game is its own thing. I think we all try to make too many assessments out of one thing or one bad quarter or one bad game. Whereas conversely, if they have a great game, oh, they can't keep it up. I, I just feel like a lot of people are just lean towards more of the negativity, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but with that being said, I mean, it's 15 years of losing. Yeah. I'm not trying to say, like, hey, just be patient. They're going to make the yeah. playoffs this year. There needs to be proof. There needs to be – but I just think it's not as um, dramatic on the night-to-night as some fans yeah. make it. It's a little emphasized, right? I mean, not a little. It's a, it's very emphasized of right course. now. But, I mean, Twitter and social media weren't around back in 2003, yeah. 2004. What, what was the general tone of the fans, if you could tell – in 0304 or 506 when they were making the playoffs and falling short kind of like how the bucks have been so far was it they could you tell there was a similar kind of response as far as negativity when you came across fans and, and talked to them or was it kind of just everyone still was pretty optimistic and still pretty content with the fact the team was winning in the playoffs or can you even remember like if there was any like reaction I think what I do remember is we obviously at that time took way more phone calls it was more of a phone call driven kind of medium on on talk radio so uh, w- which it's less now but now we see text line and tweets and mm-hmm. fa- like posts we we get everybody's opinion i say everybody and yeah. i think i saw a stat i want to say and i could have this wrong guys that it's 20 percent of the world has twitter and like six percent tweet of the 20 percent i believe i think uh, i think you're it's pretty close i think i've seen that too yeah so if 20 percent is 100 percent, only six percent of that and they're loud though like, mm-hmm. those are the king's fans that we like I said, trade this player, fire this player, change the ownership. I mean, it's it's all of that. So, uh, but back then it was more calls, and and a lot of times more people call to complain. And they're mm-hmm. frustrated, they're upset when they win. You know, it's just they're great. I love them, and there's not a lot of context that's added to that. So, 
Um, I have always said this though. My most difficult year, I think, was when we were doing, we were taking calls all the time in the post game. It was 2007. So it was so the, the year first, after. Yeah, yeah, it was the after first year of Musselman. Um, it's kind of getting through. Like I didn't agree with removing Adelman, so it's like now you're. I wasn't even necessarily defending Musselman, but I'm like, well, you, he's a new. Give him a chance. Mm-hmm. But I felt like everybody was burying him. And then they weren't as good. I'm like, oh, they're going to make the playoffs. This is what they do. And I was like, wait, they're not going to make the playoffs. And maybe this is a one-year thing. It just – you went from – I didn't believe maybe – and I was being stubborn. Like, I don't think the window's totally closed. And it, it was obviously yeah. slammed shut at that point. But I didn't think it would – because, you know, our test was still there. Maybe there was Brad Miller. There were still good players. Kevin Martin was coming into his own. Yeah, um, But it just – that year was really, really tough. I don't think anybody really foresees a 15-year playoff drought in your defense. No, and even <laughs> to back, like, in the people always say, oh, what was it like when they lost game seven and 2 I, I mean, I was upset mm-hmm. or depressed, but I honestly thought, well, this, this is kind of the yeah. cycle. This is the start. Mm-hmm. They'll probably win it next year. Yeah. Or two to three years, like, they're in the right cycle, mm-hmm. and I still say the 3 team was their best team, mm-hmm. and then Weber gets hurt in round two, and they still go seven games without their best player mm-hmm. in round two. So... That that changed everything was when Weber got hurt. So you said 03 was the best team. There was a lot of bad teams there. I mean, Ugh. you know, there were some some Bano led years, and you know, we obviously th- without without Bano, like those teams were. Uh, I mean, they were pretty much unplayable. They won yeah. twenty games or whatever. But w- would you say those were kind of the toughest years, or um, in those in in that way, is it kind of almost? Do you find a fun in it because it's like we know? I mean, obviously that season, like. The Kings won 20 games. There was no illusions that they were even going to be at eight seed or anything like that. Yeah. Like you kind of know what you're setting up for that season, and they went for the full tank. Funny enough, they ended up with the number four pick that year, and um, I think that was Blake Griffin's year, right? Yeah, yeah. Tyreek, um, yeah. Just funny how it works that way. But wh- which year would you say was the the most difficult to get through? Probably that one because I was leading up to that. That was the seventeen win. So they seventeen. 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 Yeah. Bobby Jackson came back. It was a strange year. Yeah. It was a strange season. And then you're so the punishment is living through seventeen wins. But then it's like, well, that's what the lottery is for. This is what we do it for. And then when you go to fourth, it was like, oh man. And then the weird part is you get the rookie of the year, and Tyreek was exciting. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of. And I think from Tyreek on, in all these years that they've also missed, there's. There's always been like a breadcrumb of something. You know, DeMarcus comes in and he was, yeah. man, th- is this guy going to be an all-star? Mm-hmm. And then he was. he was dominant for a while. And then Fox and now Halliburton. So I feel like there's always something. And that's why maybe, again, back to my nature of being more optimistic, but I enjoy, I've always enjoyed that. What's mm-hmm. fun? What's uh, uh, the 17-win team? I can't recall right now, but I'm sure they had a great win or two. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not enough. Yeah. But every year there's an upset of somebody or like you, we all arrived at the arena like, well, they're not going to beat this team tonight. Oh my gosh. They played great. And they just yeah. beat team X and you're like, wow. And, and I just, or someone goes for 45 or 25 threes are hit just, or on the other team, someone has one of the highlights, like mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's one of my favorite games I've ever attended yeah. at or or in San in Oakland at the time, excuse me. And um, when he went for the 37-point quarter, it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in person. Mm-hmm. And that was against the Kings, but as a fan, I'm like, this is awesome. So I just like to see those kind of things, I guess. What do you remember about the uh, the Kings' 34-point comeback against Chicago? Um, Were you there for that? No, I was in studio, so that was on the road in Chicago, but um, I didn't travel to that one. Because, I mean, at that I mean, you probably were – 
obviously preparing for yeah. the show after, I mean, mm-hmm. the post game show. So you're pro- obviously like, all right, well, this is going to be, I, that might have, I don't think that was the 17 wins. There's no way it was. It was a year. It was a Yeah, it was a spring. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, you usually, I mean, you, I try not to write off games, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, this is awful. I mean, this is a terrible night. Okay, what are the, what are the, why? You know, I was trying to find, like, what's why? What what happened? Okay, well, obviously the Bulls are doing something great. Mm-hmm. They played a good team. The Bulls were good. Yeah. But what, you know, how poorly did the Kings shoot? Why are they down this much? How much do they end up losing by? And then they were starting to chip away. But you're like, all right, you're going to just lose this by 17. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that game yeah. before. And then it just kind of, wait, is something, something special happening? And so I just remember not believing it, really. And then now trying to go back, wait, what was the, Largest deficit with how few time you know now mm-hmm. you're just trying to really yeah. put it in perspective like this wasn't a first quarter this was second half and where does this rank and then you're looking up stuff and I think it was the second largest comeback ever mm-hmm. in the second half with the amount of time yeah left, so. there, it was like a 35 point game with I think four or five minutes left in that the third quarter sense. it mm-hmm. just it was crazy yeah and so that's another example of like the Kings were on the right side of that but they I remember they had a home one a couple years ago with Brooklyn. That D'Angelo wrote. But seeing that, that physically as, hurt me. As yeah. painful as it was, you kind of go, man, that's amazing what happened. It stinks that it happened to the Kings. So I just. It felt unreal. I want to so. call it. I want to call it amazing, as but like it was, but I can't say those words because it hurt so bad to yeah, watch it, it live. It really did hurt. You don't it, have. It doesn't. I, it still doesn't hurt, does it? Uh, I mean, that it pain, doesn't make me feel the, great. The, no. the feeling I felt just like stand. I mean, I'll never forget that that it moment was when D'Lo just. I think he hit a, a bucket to make it a two point game. I just remember thinking like, "Wow, yeah, they're really going to do it. They're really going to blow it. They were yeah. up by twenty seven to begin the fourth quarter, and they're going to lose." And um, no, I mean, it doesn't hurt me that bad anymore, but it, it did sting. Yeah, I mean, this is going to not go over well, but I said this even w- not when it happened, but. Robert Ory's shot is like the biggest shot against the Kings, really, mm-hmm. that we've all ever seen or experienced or witnessed or whatever. But being there for that, honestly, I mean, that was a gut punch. It's just you're sick. You can't believe it. Um, but as I remove myself from it a little bit, it's like it's one of the greatest moments. Like, that's why I love sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want it to be against my team, but that's incredible. And it just stunk that. So yeah. I can put that in perspective, though. I mean, it felt like he got kicked in the you-know-what and – yeah, I mean, that's, that's an iconic shot. I mean, whether we like it or not, it's right. one of the top – I mean, it's got to be one of the top 20 shots in mm-hmm. NBA history that people think about and they show the image of him yeah. you know, jumping down the court. It's horrible. It's an image that a lot of Kings fans don't want to watch or they turn off the TV or they stop the YouTube video or tweet, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, you witness history. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of fun part. I mean, even if we're going to the games in person like you have been – and we're wit- like I saw Jokic drop 50 this year. Which I'll never forget that right. I, got to, I got to watch the MVP yeah. drop fifty in an empty, st- you know, just a, a weird situation. Yeah, yeah. you know, but, and the Kings still won. Yeah, and they still yeah. won. So, but I, I mean, I've said this before, so people that have heard, but like that Ori shot, I remember I have to go to the Kings locker room, and so oh, what am I? What do you, yeah, what act, do you like? How do you even act? Right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I want someone else to ask, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick my microphone in there, and I get the audio. But on the way there, pass by, uh, you know, the benches or whatever. I mean, the place is still going nuts. There's a bathroom to the side. Go into the bathroom. I'm the only one in there, and I'm just going, how am I going to – what am I even going to say? Like, my feelings are even hurt. I want the Kings to win. And I hear the screaming coming in, and it's the actor Dustin Hoffman with his <laughs> son. And they are like what we would be if the Kings hit the shot. Like, they are just 
hugging each like uh, like punching each other, hugging each other, and he's like, "Dad, was that one of the son? That's the greatest shot I've ever like." And as I'm at that moment, I'm seeing father and son. I go, "You know what? It actually was pretty cool." Like, but I'm still because mm-hmm. I see that side of it, and I'm like, "Man, damn you, Why Dustin the Hoffman!" King? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and wash your hands <laughs> when you leave you, the Dustin bathroom. Hoffman. Yeah, but. Then I proceeded to go into the King's locker room, and I don't even remember if I asked a question. Mm-hmm. I think I was still in a fog. It's like an out-of-body experience. It's kind of like, wow, what I had to see. Well, it was locker room, and then the other bonus, at least, was in the playoffs. You know, they have the podium, and people came out, and that's when Vlade and I think Ori and, yeah, different people had to talk. And just to hear them again mm-hmm. relive it, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. On both sides of the coin, what was the locker room like in those days? Like on the media side, obviously, there's so many. I mean, there's Marty Mack. There's, you know, Eileen uh, uh, is yep. in there. The room is, you know, just, uh, uh, yeah, Sack B's got oh, a yeah, bunch of people, or Scott Howard yeah, Cooper. It, it just, you can just go down the yeah. list. I mean, on both sides, I mean, obviously, those are that's the best team the Kings mm-hmm. have had in, in their Sacramento history. What was it like to just kind of be in that room? And, I mean, I mean, that's still relative. I mean, that's kind of in the thick of your career. Like, you're yeah. kind of getting into yeah. it. You're not really, you know. You, you're picking your spots. You know, some nights you're literally the person that, like, I don't know that I have a question, mm-hmm. so I'm going to just stick the microphone in there and go off of other people's questions. But there, it almost felt like you mentioned Marty. Like, you know, when Marty pulled up, it's kind of like, oh, he's going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we all Yeah, this wait. is just going to be his session. Yeah. And then there's been other times where it was as I progressed, like, maybe I'm around um, – just maybe a cameraman that's holding a mic or I'm holding theirs. And a couple people look at me like, you're going to go? I'm like, oh, uh, Chris. Um, that's know, pressure. What, that's yeah, a lot of I'm pressure, like, man. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Kind of looking at me like, I don't, I don't have anything. Yeah. That is pressure. Cause I mean, today it's a zoom, so that doesn't right. happen. Yeah. I mean, but of course you all, you, nowadays we all know who it's going to be James Ham is going to leave. Oh, lead, his hand's already raised yeah, as soon as like the link Sean goes live. Yeah. Sean Jones, Cunningham. Jason. Those are the guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's just cool. We got to be part of that dynamic back then because I'm sure a lot of fans would just wonder what it was like to be in that locker room. And yeah. And then really in LA, I'd go to both, like at the playoffs. I mean, yeah, there both, too. But then I felt like, okay, I'm definitely a visitor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just getting audio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, every once in a while I'd ask a question if there was something like, wait, that didn't make sense or a follow up. Uh-huh. And like, you know, all the LA people are trying to get what they're looking for, but I'm like, I'm just getting mm-hmm. these sound bites to see, or wait, you know, Hey, let me ask you something about Bibby or whatever, trying to get yeah. some reaction to something off of what they were talking about. Who was like, was there any media members there where you were like, oh my gosh, like that's X 100%. and X from, I mean, yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the biggest series yeah. in the world. I mean, yeah, you get your Mike Wilbons there, you're, right. you know. You know what, this is going to be Warner. weird, but it would be equivalent to, um, so growing up in LA, I'm trying to think now, it'd be like Jim Crandall, like if you mm-hmm. grew up watching Jim, you know, mm-hmm. here just for years, and yeah. then, so down there, there's guy Fred Rogan and Jim Hill that have been doing sports forever, and you know, I'm in here with Kobe and Shaq, but I'm like, yeah. Wow, I was standing next to Fred Rogan and Jimmy. Like, I got all geeked out about that because I just never – I mean, I literally watched them since I was six or seven. Mm-hmm. And now here You're I am. You're a sports like, guy, obviously. I'm in the same – like, I just never really thought You're literally that. in the same room as them. You know, you're doing just the same. From them, yeah, there's, like, there's, there's – Am I no weird idea. staring at this guy? But I, I'm staring at him. Yeah, That's your welcome to the league moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was. And, like, here I am, you know. And then another one of those was pretty funny because, like – this time, I remember this. We were in the LA locker room, and there was just so many people, and you're just sticking in a pile. it. Yeah, you're just hoping to get. In. I can't yeah. even see, and like I'm, my foot is hitting something, and I'm like trying to, you know, push really, through. Yeah. And I'm like, and I just finally hear like, "Excuse me," and I'm like, "Oh, I was kicking Shaq's foot," but I felt like I was so <laughs> far away. I'm like, I couldn't possibly, I couldn't even really hey, see excuse him. Excuse me, uh, yeah, barbecue chicken. What are you doing? Yeah. He's like, uh, "Hey, someone, you know," but he didn't know who was kicking him because yeah. I was. 
You were trying to break his deep. toe, you know. Exactly. <laughs> at least he was nice about it. At least yeah. he didn't freak out. And he might have said something else, but like, hey, okay. hey, excuse me, someone's uh, hey, dummy. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have any championships. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the go-to. Yeah. That is Sacramento Queens. Okay. Sacramento Queens. Okay, okay thank you, minority owner yeah, Shaquille yes. O'Neal. Yes. <laughs> When's the last time we've seen him at a game? Anyway. When he bought the, when he bought his million dollar stake, he still has a stake. Atlanta yeah. didn't he go to a game in Atlanta? I, I actually, I think he ago. might have sold it. Did he sold it? I think he sold it. I think that was Mitch. I think that was Mitch that sold it. I don't know. I mean, I have I no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Did you buy it? Jason yes. bought it. Are we doing it, this? So. Are we going to own the team? <laughs> Let me tell you, it is tanked in value since. It's yeah. now only worth like a hundred thousand. Yeah, did not. It was not a good investment. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, speaking on a yeah, that was on, a lot of member berries. That was fun to go down. Oh well, thank you. That was fun for me. Fun slash painful. Yeah. Scars. It was mainly fun. I thought that was fun. Um, well, let's talk about now times. Now uh, time. You know. Um, we're well, still what's what's better than now? What's yeah. better than being in the moment? And, and there, There's definitely nothing better than being a Kings fan right now, um, especially as you mentioned, one on Twitter. Um, <laughs> we mentioned it a little bit earlier, Marvin Bagley having his uh, – I don't even. I'm, I'll just bag call it drama. Alert, yeah, this is alert. this is indeed a major bag <laughs> alert. Uh, as Marvin Bagley has removed uh, Sacramento King from his Twitter bio, and which Instagram. which we know means like that's pretty much your passport at that's this like, point. Like, it's like breaking up. Like yeah. on, on Facebook, yeah. when you used to like put in relationship or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like the same. He's now thing. single. He's single. Um, yeah. Jason, uh, do you have any any real thoughts on this? Does this mean anything to you? Do you think? This even reaches. I mean, I'm sure it's it's like, reached kings. Does you it, know the top of the kings at this point? But does like, it hold weight? Like, does yeah. it, you think it actually holds weight? Is this, did, yeah. Is or, this something that Monty would be like? That's it. Like this guy, I can't with this guy. You know, or is it just kind of like his Twitter bios? Or is it kind of like okay, we'll let it, like get it out. Yeah, whatever you want to do. I don't know how Monty will perceive it, but yeah, it's it's a thing, yeah. right? I mean, I don't. I, I think everything on social media. Unless you're hacked, whatever that means. <laughs> Shout out Jay Will. Yeah. Not that Jay Will, the other Jay Will. Yes. Right? Not our like, Jay Will. Yeah. <laughs> the other Jason Will. Um, the motorcycle one. But there's a plan. There's an agenda there, right? I mean, I guess same thing for you guys. If you were to change your Twitter bio or unlike something yeah. or like something, you make that choice. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what Marvin wants. I think the the tricky thing is for him. I think this organization has treated him really well. Yeah. And so I'm sure there's some frustration. It might be best for him to leave, but I don't think this triggers anything different for Monty. If he's Mm -hmm. trying to trade him, he'll trade him, not because of this, just because he's trying to trade him. Well, Dave had good uh, points, Carmichael Dave, on the morning show, just saying how the team has stuck behind him. They Mm -hmm. they started him in almost Mm -hmm. every game this season that he was available. He started in 42 of 43 games he played in. Uh, they took him number two overall. That's obviously already taking pretty good care of you because you make more money mm-hmm. out of the two slot. Like he's getting paid more than Luka Doncic right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just we all know the Bagley family is not fond of this whole situation. We've seen Marvin Senior tweet these guys just aren't good with Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it it just it's Marvin almost the a, second Marvin Marvin, uh, Marvin second. Junior Junior or the second Junior. I think that's the same right. thing. You said Senior Senior. Same thing. We don't know Marvin Senior. We don't know Marvin, Marvin Senior. Please stay off Twitter. I hope you're not on Twitter. Please Marvin stay off of Twitter. But Anyways, we're at the I point don't. now where if, if a trade's going to happen, it's just how much value does he even have? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure the team would love to to make a move if, if he had higher value. But we saw reports that they offered him for Sadiq Bay. Detroit said no, rightfully no, because he had a great rookie season. Uh, I think they even looked for draft picks. Just no one's really biting. So is there even a scenario where the Kings could move him? And if they did, what would it take? Would it 
to attach him to someone else, uh, throw filler, future compensation. Just what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there would be teams interested in him, but I don't know how many. I always say that for trades. Like we always think of like, man, if we put someone out there, what's the market? All you need is one. You need one willing partner. But who is that team? It might need more enticing, more filler to go with him. Um, and of all the things you just said, Frankie, to the one that to me is honestly more bothered. I, I I'm worried about the family impact than the Twitter. I mean, just. People are going to tweet things and we go, what is that about? Does that mean something? Is that cryptic? Or, okay, we just move on. But I just feel like the family influence on him um, isn't always positive. It's toxic. I mean, yeah. And when, you look at, well, yeah. sorry, Chris. No. Just the, the, when LeVar Ball and, and Lonzo, when they're coming in, I think the biggest preconceived notion on draft night 2018 was, man, whoever drafts Lonzo, you're getting LeVar, yeah. and that has just gone away yeah. like mm-hmm. like that. And then you look at how well LaMelo's doing, and Lonzo, too, is even, mm-hmm. I think, someone that will be sought after in free agency this summer. Uh, people were wrong, completely wrong because the biggest nightmare of, of, <laughs> yes. of that draft class has been the Bagley family yep. so far. So, yeah, it is kind of just like a completely just people whiffed on that. Yeah, yeah um, and I think I was going to mention to your point earlier, the thing that's been surprising to me is – and I think Dave made this point as well, that everyone to a T on the team has had Marvin's back at every turn. I think there's been multiple occasions where De'Aaron has talked about how, you know, they love Marvin and, you know, the organization has talked about at every turn, Marvin's our guy. We're not trying to whatever. We just want to see, want to do what's best for him. And I think even letting him go to Tucson, which I thought was a very, very strange decision, um, I think even that is like, this is not something we would normally do, but like, here you go, my guy. Like, we're trying to put you in the best situation possible for you to succeed because that's, at the end of the day, what we want. And um, again, to your point, like, I think the family influence, like, you can just imagine what that's like. I mean, I'm sure that two weeks, I'm sure that Mar- when Marvin was in Tucson, mm-hmm. his dad, his family, the whole time were being like, we got to, we got to get you out of there, man. Like, and they're killing your career. Just, and like, you know, when you're, I'm not saying Marvin's a kid. He's a grown man. He makes his own decisions. But, like, you know, your family has real influence. And especially when you're as tight-knit as they are, I'm sure they have family dinners or whatever. They all live in the same house. I'm sure it's constantly a – it might not even be a negative Kings vibe, but it's for sure not – they're not talking about how great his situation is, um, I would think, ever. I'm sure they they – Everything that's good isn't because of the Kings, and everything that's bad is because, because of the Kings. They yeah. want, you need to finger to they, when things aren't going your exactly. way. You, you want need to, to finger, you want, I mean, you, yeah. you get to point someone to blame, especially and, when you're a great, talented athlete, and you you know everything's always gone right for you your whole life. It's like why you exactly you're trying to figure out why things are going bad, and it's it's got to be the team. Yeah, I don't. Um, I I think I always try to put myself in the person's shoes, so Marvin's shoes where. I'm sure big shoes. There are some frustrations. Like if I'm the starting power forward and I'm taking number two, and you know it's a Tuesday night in February, and you're playing. I keep using Charlotte, but they're playing Charlotte, and he's not finishing in the fourth quarter. I mean that I would be frustrated about that. So then when you talk to your dad and your dad's on social mm-hmm. media saying, or if someone says Luke's rotations, the dad likes it and. I'm sure that conversation now comes up as a family, and then you know it's still your dad, the person of influence. Mm-hmm. I just think those are those are difficult things, but I don't think the decisions to not play him are just well. 
I don't really like that fam. I, yeah. Luke's trying to win the games. And mm-hmm. so Marvin needs to get to a spot if he stays on the Kings where he can be a finisher in the game. And he hasn't really been in that spot or proven that. No, if he could play defense, he would be in. Exactly. He would be in. If so he was just trying to play the best players and he feels more comfortable playing three guards and taking Marvin out. Who is he? I mean, Harrison Barnes or Sean Holmes. You can't really have Marvin in over either of them at the end of the right. game right now. And I mean, you're going to have Halliburton and Buddy for his shooting, I guess, and Fox. And if they had an option better than Buddy, I think they would do that and have the other four and someone else. Yeah, so it's just it's, how can you really get upset about that? I mean, again, you, you want a finger to point out. If you want to blame somebody, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'd imagine that Monty McNair in the front office are they're probably going to be tired at some point, if not already, of the constant just – we're not the ones to blame here. Mm-hmm. I mean, injuries happen and they suck. And, like, it is sad that Marvin has had the start to his career that he's had, and I do believe he has a lot of talent – uh, I don't think he's an All NBA talent, but I think he's a guy that can be an impact player. But he's fourteen and seven for his career; those aren't bad numbers. Right, fifty percent shooting; those aren't bad numbers by any means. It's just the durability is a problem, and some have been freak injuries. Like he broke his finger; I think he broke his thumb last year, and his uh, fourth metacarpal this year. Those are freak injuries that you got from DeAndre Ayton swiped a ball and it just hit him in, in garbage time down thirty. And then he caught his his hand uh, against Charlotte coming around a screen. I think it's just things that don't normally happen. It's not like he has this this degenerative knee problem like we saw Greg Oden have or, or those kind of players. It, it, it's something that can be solved. And the one thing I will say I'm afraid of is the Kings will move him and mm. he's going to put it together. And he is going to become a player that can average 19 and 8 or 20 and 10 because I think he has that talent. So do you guys feel any of those similar feelings that if the Kings do move him, like in famous Kings fashion when players move on they do a lot better – are you afraid that he's going to put it together once he leaves? Or are you kind of just willing to take the chance of, we both need to kind of separate and move on because it's not working out? I would say if you're committed to the move, you can't worry if he becomes a five-time All-Star. It would suck. It would be awful. Would you be hope great. you get what you want in return that makes you better. And I also wonder if, you know, he's only been in Sacramento, so if he goes to a new team and becomes that player that the Kings thought, I, I wonder if it was because he got out. Like, Maybe the, initially just going to whatever team, probably happy tweets are coming in from the fa- like. There's just mm-hmm. a different like those those barriers are gone, and if those are things that are holding him back, which I don't know if that's the case, but I I mean we'll always worry about did they get the right value or Marvin comes back and goes for twenty five and twelve like oh man, what did you get in return? Was it the right move? Would he have ever done that here? So I wouldn't. I say I wouldn't worry about it. We will. Yeah. But, I mean, what can you do if yeah. you do it? Yeah, I think to your point, I think situation is kind of going to be key for Marvin. I think if he goes to, like, I mean, I'll, whatever. I'll just say if he goes to Philadelphia or something, mm-hmm. and that's not really a great situation for him. You know, he's got Joel Embiid there. Is he? A, we're still trying to figure out, is Marvin really a four? Is he? Can he play center? He'll probably have to play off the bench there. There's a lot of things for him to figure out. I'm not sure that's the ideal situation but if he goes to I don't know let's just say the Kings dump for him for OKC or something like that and he's really able to figure out his game and um I don't I, I think it's just gonna yeah I think it's gonna be a matter of circumstance I think Marvin has the talent totally it's just whatever it is that like you said that's holding him back whether it be I wouldn't really say it's opportunity because he's gotten plenty of opportunity here but I guess maybe just I mean and the thing could be and 
it would not. The thing that would surprise me the least is it's just he needs to play the games. Right. Like he has not been able to to put together a string. What I think the most games he's played in a row is like twenty. Is it yeah, even that? It's the start and stop. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and with that comes so much baggage too, because you're not able to develop. You're not able to see what is happening in front of you, digest it, and adjust. You know, he's he's still. He's still taking in the game before he's really even able to put his yeah. his stamp on it. And I think that's what's impressed me so much with when he has played, how good he's been able to play with the lack of real-time experience. But, I mean, you know, you can – there's only – also, there's only so a certain amount of time he's going to be given this opportunity because, right. again, like if he goes in a trade and, you know, he's not really valued – it if he's viewed as a bench player or whatever, just as a tiny project that they can maybe work on. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it'll work out for him. Yeah. I, I think I've heard him say, you know, that he just wants to win. I, and I believe that's the right thing to say, but I don't know. I think it's situational again, back to what'd you say, Frankie he was 14 and seven, his career 14 and seven for his career. Every season of his career has been 14 yeah. and seven. So I firmly believe that if he was given 32 minutes a game, he's probably closer to 18 and 10. And if he had that situation yeah. on any team, Kings included, that's yeah. probably what he'd be. But if he gets traded, to your point, Chris, to a spot where it's maybe it's a better team that's winning, yeah. and he's like the seventh man. Like, mm-hmm. you're coming off our bench. I don't think that's a situation his family wants because I, I was a number two pick. Mm-hmm. I see what Luke – I see tra- – like, why mm-hmm. am I not that? He's just hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Health starts and stops. This was an organization that was basically putting him in that spot. It hasn't been able to materialize because of his health. And then – you know, some fourth quarter lapses and different things that there's some defensive um, adjustments that the team constantly makes because of him. So um, I think it's really going to be dependent on the situation he goes to because if he's asked to be just a role player, he's a fine role player. I don't know that he'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to a spot like Orlando, like they're blowing things up. Exactly. If he goes to Orlando yeah. and like, you're kind of our piece. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have stats. Yep. But – what does that mean? Well, we've seen people stat stuff on the Kings before. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins was a good player, but yeah. he had monster numbers on teams that won 27, 28 right. games. Um, with Marvin, just I mean, the, one of the biggest things, and we can probably move on from Marvin, is uh, the ego. I mean, the, when you're drafted number two overall, we've seen athletes that come in, and obviously you want to be the best. You want to be a great player. And when you're surrounded by Luca and Aiton, who's just kind of been a late bloomer and found a lot of success, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Young. Young, there's a – I mean, yeah. the list goes on. It's Michael tough. Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. has played more games than him. I looked up the other day. Uh, Marvin's played the 35th most games out of all the people that are drafted in 2018. Um, it's tough to n- to not want to have that same mindset of, I'm an all-NBA player. I'm, I can yeah. be just like those guys. It's, it's, it's tough, and maybe he can. Maybe I'll be wrong. It's just it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And as soon as you can figure that out as a player, I feel – is when you can make those adjustments and become even a better, become a good role yeah. player, become a good second, third option. And that's what I think Marvin could be. He could be a great second, mm-hmm. third option on a team. But I still think that him and his, his camp and his family, they still envision, no, 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 we can be the Trey Young, we can be the Luca, we can be we can be any of these guys. Like, we have the talent, like, we need a better situation. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to hold him back is, I don't know if the grass is always greener. Like you said, he might go to a place like Orlando and become that guy. But... Are you going to be a winner? Right. I, I, and I think, too, what the family should look at, or Marvin as well, 
I think comparing to Luca and Trey is so unfair because I mean mm-hmm. they just they dictate the terms of the game. They have the ball all the time. They're also generational superstars. They are, it's but a I think tough. Aiton is the closer one, mm-hmm. and Aiton is fine. He's Chris right. Paul, but Chris Paul That's changed exactly his career what or, already. That and he said that he said yeah. he's, he's the best thing that ever happened to him in his entire mm-hmm. his career. life. Yeah, <laughs> his life. And so if they didn't make the playoffs, right? He had a good season you know an okay season he's been good mm-hmm. but now we see him on a playoff stage oh my gosh he yeah. had 19 and 22 rebounds and okay now he's getting put on a on a higher stage if if the kings elect to keep him and really i one thing i didn't think they did enough of last year is play halliburton with him i mean mm-hmm. that pick and roll and the lob mm-hmm. with those two i think is a really uh potentially lethal opportunity but marvin would have to look at it as kind of more of that eight and roll that it's really fox and halliburton that are kind of running things and be ready, be in your spot, be, uh, you know. I, I, I still partly wonder if his unique fit would be as a five. That's now he'd have limitations guarding people, but he also time, but... spreads the floor, can hit some threes. He's got good athletic ability. It just what do the Kings want to use him as? To me, that's the only way. I mean, he really has a future, specifically with the Kings, I think. I think he's got to move to the five because – it's just it's too clogged up with him. I mean, if you're going to have him and Rashawn, they kind of are operating in the same space there. And with yeah. the way that, especially with the way that Fox needs to attack the rim, you can't really have two guys clogging up the rim. Yeah, like that's a good that. point. I'm almost to a point now that you said that. I'm thinking about the Rashawn and, and that situation. They might not move. They might wait to move him until Definitely. the Rashawn situation is figured out. Because right. if, if Rashawn gets signed by Charlotte, and I'm, we keep mentioning Charlotte, but Charlotte actually is linked to him, and they actually yeah. want him. I think mm-hmm. uh, we get to the King saying, you know what? Like we're gonna ride this out, and we're gonna work with you on defense, and we're not gonna overspend for a center, and you're mm-hmm. under contract for 11 million. We're gonna see what we have. Uh, now, if they want to keep Rashawn, and Rashawn's really set on coming back to Sacramento and taking a discount because the Kings can offer him, he'll be starting center for yeah. sure. Maybe they can do work out a sign and trade or something. Maybe the Kings sign. Yeah, maybe they they deal him. Uh, but I I do just thinking out over the past literally 15, 20 minutes, it kind of it was an epiphany. Probably some of you out there already have thought about the fact they might wait, but I don't think it makes much sense to move Marvin until the Rashawn situation is resolved. Yeah, and if they, if they do elect to – if they lose homes and they elect to keep Marvin, you're right, they have him kind of under contract, maybe gives Monty just another year to get fact-finding on him. Like, mm-hmm. is this a guy we really want? I mean, it, part of – I mean, almost everything we've said, part of why we have reservations has been injuries. Mm-hmm. So – are those going to continue? If they continue, then I think you just like, okay, yeah. we, we can't keep going. But if he did play 70 games, I mean, I think he'd have a good season. Yeah. If, if he had 70 games next year, he'd be productive. Oh, yeah. If, if you're watching Kings games or if you're a basketball fan and I see people say, oh, Marvin Bagley stinks, you're not, you're, stink. you're not watching not the games then because he, he's not. No. You're not watching the no. games. He's not a bad basketball no, player. Not at all. He's just not available. Yeah. He's missed forty eight percent of right. his career. That's the only problem. He's not a bad basketball player. Even his three point shot was way better yeah. this season. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm okay with that. If they're going to have him play out next season, if Rashawn leaves, it's eleven millions around the same money you'd spend on Rashawn for the first year of his contract. Uh, obviously, it's a drop off for Sean Holmes, sixty percent from the field and a, a way better defender. But they don't need to be strong armed or, or bullied by the family or anyone else into yeah. making a move they don't want to because he's under contract for one more season. Then he's restricted. So what if he? Stays and then he does get the twenty and ten we we talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have first rights to match any offer, so um, that's just kind of where I'm at on everything. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that makes the most sense to me because I mean, you're you're in control of him the whole time, and you're still you know they can still move on from him at any moment. Or I think 
it's just nice to hedge your bet like that. I mean, for him to be the restricted free agent after his contract's up, like like you said, if he can if he can be the player we want him to be, I don't. I, I shouldn't say I don't see any reason why we won't pay him because obviously the injuries, but maybe and it's been talked about a little bit how the the Warriors were able to get Steph Curry on that, I think it was like a four-year, $48 million deal because he had his injuries, Mm -hmm. and so there was questions about whether or not, you know, to give him the max, and they didn't. But um, if I don't know, since the salary cap went up, I don't know what the equivalent to that kind of deal would be. But if we can get Marvin at like a, I don't know, we'll we'll see. We'll talk about that (laughs) later, but... Well, I mean, I know your point. Yeah. You're saying that he, even if he does have a strong season next year, it might not be enough for a team to come in and offer him exactly. just a max, a huge right. offer. Exactly. It might not be enough, which is kind of it plays into the Kings' favor because they have control. Control is the biggest chip they have right now, as they control everything. No matter how many tweets yes. are liked or how yeah. many bios are changed, they get they have the final say. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, something they didn't have control over. You ready for this transition? Oh boy, is uh, the NBA lottery, which oh. was when was that? Last Tuesday. Uh, sad times. We, I, I did get a little optimistic oh, that we were going to move up. I was like, this just makes so much sense. Like, no one's expecting it. It's always going to hit you when you don't expect it. And the Kings stayed at number nine, like, um, like of course was going to happen. Uh, which is probably the well, no, it is definitely the least exciting option because it really doesn't do anything for the Kings in terms of getting more value or anything like that. And at the nine pick, they're kind of at mercy um, of what teams in front of them are going to do. Because at that point, not that there's not talent because it's been endlessly taught, you know, you can get your Donovan Mitchell, Clay Thompson, quietly, whatever at the, in these middle parts, Tyrese Halliburton in the middle of the draft, it doesn't have to be a top 10 pick, but it's just, it, it's a whole lot, not easier um, and really the Kings are going to be a team that I think are going to try and really make the playoffs next season. I don't think the best thing, the best way of doing that is to bank on getting a, an impact player at number nine. I feel like they'll probably try and move it. That's obviously been widely talked about. Jason, what do you think? Um, what, first off, what, what do you think about the, the prospect of, um, or what, what do you think the nine pick could get us? I think at nine is what I thought last year at 12. Mm-hmm. What they need to get is, if they keep the pick and stay right there, is get someone that's in the rotation. Like immediately, you can't mm-hmm. get a project. You can't no. wait. Like the person needs to be probably within the top eight players in the rotation. Now, what was great about Halliburton is it didn't take long to go, oh man, this guy's nice. Mm-hmm. And in reality, probably could have been a starter a lot earlier. I know he was off and on as a starter. So they found something great like in Tyrese Halliburton. So I think that's the best thinking. Now, which player is that at nine? Um, you know, you see mock drafts and hear different people talk about it. It feels like there's a tier that might be growing a little bit, but it feels like it ends before nine. Mm-hmm. So unless someone drops, which I saw some people have Halliburton as high as three or four last year, and he went 12, so he dropped. But I don't know who that player is. I, I've been saying this. I don't like that the Warriors are two picks ahead of the Kings because I think they draft well generally. And someone they're looking at is probably someone I think the Kings would be looking at. And the fact that they picked two before um, might be that guy that they take. So I I think all things should be on the board. I think the Kings have to do their due diligence and look at this and see if they're comfortable with a couple players there, but also think about moving the pick too. If, If that's, you know, with a player to get them a bigger splash to get them to that goal of making the playoffs. 
I've seen a couple reports about uh, – not reports, but people just thinking out loud on Twitter probably that moving down – I think Oklahoma City is back-to-back picks. I think they go 16-17 or 16-18. Mm. Uh, I'd be maybe intrigued about that if we got some form of compensation back, whether it's a rotation player. I'd have to look at OKC's roster. But um, I'm looking at the, the mock draft here. There's a couple names I've seen. I know people are saying Scotty Barnes might drop. He's the kind of guy people are kind of comparing to – the Halliburton effect from last year where he's a guy in the top five, six, but he could drop. Um, but one guy I've been looking at, and I know it's not great to draft another Duke product after we talk <laughs> about uh, Bagley for all this time, but Jalen Johnson seems like a guy who, who could come in and be a guy that can be a, your backup small four off the bench, six foot nine, two twenty. 220. Um, he has an NBA-ready size body to me, I think, and uh, the biggest problem with the Kings roster right now is they're they're along with the center, of course, but... They're pretty thin at the small forward spot. I mean, Harrison Barnes is two years on his contract mm-hmm. left. He's going to be 30. I would be shocked if he plays out uh, another contract after this one. They've, they've struggled with finding stability at the small forward spot pretty much for most of the last 15 years. I mean, they've had Rudy Gay and Harrison Barnes over you know what, five, six-year span of those 15 years. But um, do you think the position of need is probably small forward? Because the center spot is kind of thin. Uh, other than, than than Mobley, there's not really any other centers in the top 20 picks that I would say the Kings would draft. Um, but do you think the biggest position of being a small forward, or do you look at uh, Moses Moody? Like, do you look at there's some guards you can't pass up? I know Mitchell's been talked about a lot. What do you think? I would never draft for need. That's me, just because I think you get in trouble there. But um, I, I wouldn't say it's probably one of the most important positions. I guess. To me, I, I still feel like the question marks are, are the four or five. Really, like is Bagley going to be back? Is Holmes going to be resigned? Um, but you still don't draft that way just because of a need. If that's on your board, a, a four or five or a three is who you have at nine, then you do it. But I, I feel like I'm trying to read what Monty has done so far, and to me, like <clears> his <throat> trades at the trade deadline and drafting Halliburton, it's pretty much trying to find guys that compete, that can shoot a little bit that try to play on both ends of the floor. So I don't know who that fits the bill most for the draft, but, I mean, I've seen names like you mentioned, Scotty Barnes. I've seen uh, Wagner from Michigan, uh, Keon Johnson, uh, Jalen Johnson, those kind of names all floating around there. Yeah, um, I haven't really done my due diligence in terms of, like, getting into the nitty-gritties of the players, but I think the problem that I have – and I guess this, I'm just going to project my my feelings of wanting them to move the nine. Is it's great if they do get um, a backup three or something like that. But I think the thing that the team really needs to take themselves over the hump is a real talent. Like they need, they just need to get better. They need a, uh, they need a better talent. And if that's not, if that kind of you know, if yeah, if they can't get their Donovan Mitchell or their Kawhi or whatever at nine, if they don't feel very confident that there's this potential superstar there at nine, I I just don't see and let and that that would tell me a lot about the, what their timeline is because I think uh, currently I think their timeline is we need to win next season mm-hmm. and if that means we have to skip on the development of somebody. I'm willing to take that risk because we, I mean, there's three years from now, hypothetical success is great. But if we can get tangible, real wins here, we'll figure out yeah. three years from now later. Uh, yeah. And the one thing I, I've been pretty, I firmly believe is what a difference it does make just to make the playoffs mm-hmm. because I'm almost guaranteeing you guys 
let's say the Kings had made it this year. It doesn't even matter if they were the mm-hmm. eight seed and they lost in four or five games. I think the world would have been like, man, De'Aaron Fox is really mm-hmm. good. He would, I mean, was Trey Young's always been good. Mm-hmm. Now we think differently of him. Donovan Mitchell in the past. DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Murray a year ago. Like all ja, these guys. John Morant's getting fired yeah, up. Yeah, right. a lot. Yeah. It, just because we've seen them all on a bigger stage. Now we've all seen Fox's every games, mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden, I, I mean, I think when people ask about great young players, De'Aaron doesn't come up no. enough. No. He hasn't been in that stage. And I think if he, even if he got it to two rounds, two. Ten games in the playoffs, you know De'Aaron would have had some moments. Oh, my God. Like, he would have had about a Mm 35-10-6. and And then he'd have a game where it's like, man, they totally defended him. Mm -hmm. And, wow, De'Aaron only scored nine tonight. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because you're the number one option. That's what the team that's now preparing for you every night is trying to prevent. But that's where part of me wonders, to your point, Chris, that I agree they need more talent. But I wonder if Fox is really – like, he might be mm-hmm. that dude. Mm-hmm. It's just they've got to get there, and how else can they get there? Is it with a more well-balanced team, or is it with another guy mm. that helps lead the way, like what Chris Paul did to make – I mean, Booker's always was, been yeah. good, but now all of a sudden, Booker, is he the great yeah. greatest young player in the league? I'm like, he wasn't – nobody said that last year because yeah. we're all watching him on mm-hmm. – it's like, you know, things get carried away really fast, mm-hmm. in, especially in the NBA – World is Luca already number one? He's out. No, nobody. He's not good anymore. Yeah. Like Damian Lillard, Dame time. We all want people. Where's Damian? Mm-hmm. It's all because of what we see in front of us. Middleton is he this best two way you know combo mm-hmm. next to Giannis ever? I'm like, just there's a lot of good players. The Kings have a few of them, not enough of them yeah. for sure. But I also wonder on that other end, is there a player that they could add like Chris Paul? Obviously not mm-hmm. him. That would have that kind of an impact. Uh, on this team, yeah, that's that's like the thing I thought about right before you said it was they need they need that veteran presence. I mean, they, as much as they need a good draft pick too, they I think the biggest acquisition they can make this off season is a difference maker, a veteran. Mm-hmm. And there are some free agents that are available. Money is the problem though. Yeah. Buddy Heald makes twenty three million. Harrison Barnes twenty. Darren Fox's uh, extension kicks in. Uh, I would have liked to throw in a big offer at Demar Derozan if mm-hmm. they could. That's a guy I think they. I just perfectly envision him in this lineup. Yep. Uh, I just don't know unless they move Buddy, that can happen. But um, the draft would be nice. I'd love it to make a good pick. Monty McNair does say he's going to take the best player available, the mm-hmm. most talented player available, whether it's a point guard, shooting guard, doesn't matter. That's what he did with Tyrese when he drafted you know, a point guard uh, with Jaron Fox in the roster. He says it'd be tough for me to imagine him taking a guard. Well, just like for, like for playtime, I don't know how you could – move around those minutes if you're gonna have three guys and like you're really gonna give i mean i guess the number nine pick you're kind of allowed some leeway yeah. in terms of not playing him but if you're gonna i, I think he would it, though. It, it, i think it'd be tough to do, get him he was gonna do Dero- i mean not DeRozan, uh divincenzo that is true so if yeah. they would have had divincenzo halliburton fox and buddy i mean i think all four would have had to have played mm-hmm. yeah that takes them out of terrence davis uh the deal which means if they do draft that him, moses yeah. moody or someone that could just mean they don't bring back terrence davis yeah and that they, is true they he do is, try to move sure. buddy so mm-hmm. which i think they're gonna try to move buddy anyway yeah but um yeah all right well uh just one last thing before we get into our bold prediction for the Ooh. off season uh the talk of nba social media right now is ben simmons it's been about a week but it's still going strong um uh, i just kind of want to gauge your general interest on do you think it's smoke and mirrors do you think that by philly coming out and saying they're going to work with him and they're still devoted to him do you think that they are going to try to move him this offseason and if they do can the kings even 
give an offer that is even remotely interesting to to Philly? I have a lot of thoughts on Ben Simmons on this because I think I've said this before. I think either he is a terrible teammate or he has terrible teammates. I've never seen anybody throw a player like that under the bus after they lost ever. Doc Rivers did when he defended him earlier in the playoffs. Like, I don't know what to say. Say what you said before. He's a great young guard. We're going to work with him. Joel Embiid basically pointed the finger at him. Well, how about you, Joel? Joel, you weren't the best in the game set. I mean, it was it was a collective loss. So I feel like he has something. That's what would concern me. Like, what what's going on behind the scenes? Why don't why are people throwing him under the bus? He wasn't great. We all saw that. But I just haven't seen people throw teammates under the bus like that. So I wonder how he is as a teammate. Um, but with all that said, if you get belief that that's not an issue, if I'm the Kings, I'm definitely interested. Mm-hmm. But I always try to do this the other way. And if I'm Philly, I want Fox or Halliburton. And then mm-hmm. I'm not in. I mean, if I'm the Kings, I want him to be with Fox and Halliburton. That, to me, is the charm of those two guards. Maybe get him out of the point guard role, use him as a defender, play downhill, use all his other strengths. Immediately, one of the weaknesses of the Kings is defense. He makes your mm-hmm. your defense better. But, again, I try to do this from the other side. Like, everyone will go, oh, Buddy and Marvin and the pick. Why? Philly, I want Fox or Halliburton. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it happens. But I would look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think you have to. I just think Philly would have – if you're trading Ben Simmons a two-time – is it two or three? Two-time two. Two time All-Star, two-time close to, you know, first-team All-Defense mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. At 24, former number one pick, you're getting a lot. And I know even if you're selling low now, mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of teams would be interested in you, you're you not taking the Kings deal unless it's Fox or Halliburton, and then it's not a deal for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, there's, It's just not, it doesn't make sense. Um, and honestly, I think from the Kings side too, there's some, this doesn't really make sense. I mean, Ben Simmons is making a max contract. He makes $30 million next yeah. year. It I think he f- makes, it ends at 40. Yeah, it ends at 40 for the next, I think, three or, I think it's four years. It's four more years. So, it was a five-year deal that just yeah, started. Financially, that's definitely something that you need to think about because, you know, De'Aaron Fox's deal kicks in this year. You're going to have to pay Tyrese Halliburton eventually. You're definitely not re-signing Marvin Bagley at that point. Regardless. Well, I guess you probably could because he's restricted you probably have his bird rights but but he might even be yeah. in the deal or who knows yeah, exactly, i mean what, exactly, if, what yeah. if i mean it'd be cool if if or what and what's the rest of the team look right. like because honestly if you're line up if you're running out De'Aaron fox ben simmons let's just stop at those two you're gonna miss a lot of free throws in the playoffs and that's not something that you want to be doing yeah, let me tell playoffs, you though. Play- yeah. playoffs playoffs well, and, and the cap well, space will be non-existent. This isn't—they yeah. aren't the Milwaukee Bucks or no, Lakers. They—they they can't. A bunch of veterans aren't going to come in for the minimum on, right. on on the Sacramento Kings from their not unless they're yeah, like, not unless yeah. they are the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. I don't think people not are right away. vacationing in Milwaukee. This isn't like when the the old Kings got right. players like Keon Clark and, exactly. and Jim, Jim Jackson yep. to come in and, and play. It's it's different, but um, yeah, I mean, would I like to have have Ben sure. Simmons be the the a Draymond Green type role mm-hmm. on the on the team? Absolutely. Is that going to happen? No, probably not because not. I think Philly's going to get a lot more mm-hmm. in return than Buddy Heald, Marvin yeah. Bagley in the ninth pick. Yeah, just, so that's just kind of I, I just mm-hmm. feel like Philly also might be smart to try to see it through if they can. I mean, that, that's they have a, they had a pretty good team. They definitely need more shooting. The free throws were a huge problem. Uh, Joel Embiid also was playing on one leg, which is also a problem because he gets hurt in the playoffs seemingly every year. Which is that's that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't see him in a Kings jersey. I know people are having fun with it, uh, really, really having fun with it. Uh, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, last thing. 
It's kind of a fun one. I mean, we just <laughs> talked about this stuff kind of, but uh, we probably won't talk to you again, Jason, until I think free agency begins in early August. So we might talk to you like the week of. Uh, we have a little schedule here. I just we'll have to see if we can pencil you in. One uh, bold prediction for the off season. What do you? What is your biggest prediction? Uh, realistic prediction. Let's let's, let's say it's a realistic prediction. One bold realistic prediction of the off season. Um. You know, Monty has said from the beginning that he wants flexibility so that he can strike when when the time is right. I think by keeping Luke Walton, which wasn't the most popular thing, and you don't have to do things that are popular, but I saw a reaction to that. People didn't seem to love that, but they did. Um, and I'm guessing that, you know, ninth pick doesn't generally excite people. Like, if they got the one, I think there would be a lot of excitement for the Kings. So going into the season, I don't think that season ticket sales will be booming, you know, even though it's like, hey, we're back, people can go to games again. I just don't think that will be booming like that. So I I think kind of all that paired with Monty wanting to do something, I think he's going to make a really big trade. I don't know who that player is. I don't have that name, but I think – Which is like an all-star player, like an all-star NBA type like player? Like where everybody go, what? Mm-hmm. Like that? that's a 100% guess and a bold prediction, but he wants to do it. He doesn't have to do it now. It's not. He doesn't have to hurry the timeline. But I feel like there's maybe a few other pressures. Just my own gut feeling that, you know, let's just say they sign Holmes and have trouble moving Bagley and and Buddy. Like it's though I think they could be better with a full season of health. If you haven't made the playoffs for 15 years, you keep the coach. You keep basically the shell of the same roster. That's. That's a hard sell to the fans. Mm-hmm. It might be the right choice, but it's a hard sell. So I think you, I think there needs to be a just like a a big splash, and I think I think he's going to do it. Yeah, because the point I think of bringing Walton back was that they like the system that yeah. was in place, but they need Continuity. to add more. They need to add more talent. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like they, if you bring in a new head coach and you go, let's just blow it up. Like it's just, it's it's or not it's just not working. Yeah. You know, bringing Walton back to me made me feel like okay, they like. The coaching staff, and they probably like having Alvin Gentry and all those guys around. It's just we need to bring in more talent. So I'd kind of say that I, I agree with your prediction. I, I do think they're going to make a big move. I don't know who either, though. Yeah, I don't think you ever really do. And the Kings yeah. front office has been so quiet. They don't let anything mm-hmm. leak, which is kind of a nice thing over the years. The Kings have been leaking stuff, and it just wasn't very fun. But um, Do you think that happens sooner or later? Like, do Because obviously just with the time frame of – the draft pick, let's say, you know, the the ninth pick, once you use it, it's immediately less valuable because it right. has a name attached to right. it. That's fair. That's a good point. I, I don't know because I feel a lot of it's also what information are they getting on homes? Like what, what kind mm. of price point is out there? Do they think they're really going to lose him? And then if so, what do you do? Or can you sign him and then trade him? You know, if there's a team that's interested, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. They have some choices, yeah. but they they don't have a bunch of flexibility right now mm-hmm. as far as cap space. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I I feel the same energy that you. I definitely mm-hmm. feel like there's something, not necessarily something's brewing, but it's just it just seems to make a lot of sense that it's like if you guys are really going to be serious about about trying to to be, I mean, or just trying to change things, like you have to the thing that we kind of haven't tried to do is to really get and all yeah. all star level talent out here and and kind of essentially risk it all. I mean, you don't want to leverage your entire future. You don't want to I mean, the stipion rule makes it so you can't trade back-to-back picks. Um but, you know, you don't want to trade this year's pick 
two years pick Marvin and Buddy yeah. for something that you know you might let's say if that's what it takes to get Ben Simmons, you probably don't want to do that because it's like you kind of screw everything else on this move and you kind of got to knock that move out of the park. So I don't know. To your guys' point, I don't know exactly who the player is going to be, but it's got to kind of be. I mean, hopefully it'll be the the ideal situation. Yeah, because most teams, if we think about it, that have been in the lottery um, don't stay pat. I mean, they usually either no. change a coach or unless they've been on the like the rise. Hey, mm-hmm. this young group is now two years together and they went from 18 wins to 30. Give them one more year, like of the core group, they got it. Yep. I don't know that that's what people feel about the Kings. So uh, I think they've got pieces. I think they've got good individual pieces. Mm-hmm. I think they added better talent as the season went along. But I, I don't know if just showing up next year with basically the same shell of the roster and, and saying, hey, if we're healthy, yep. we're going to be better. It might. That might be the way, but I think that's a lot of hope as opposed yeah. to let's let's dictate the terms of this. Yeah. Let's get a player where we go, oh, no, we added this player in here to the starting five. Like, Let's go. Like, th- yeah. I think that's the, the target. If their offseason is just drafting the nine pick, re-signing Terrence Davis to a decent deal, maybe bringing back like a Mo Harkless and keeping Rashawn Holmes, mm-hmm. I still think the offseason is a failure in my opinion. Yeah, it, it might work, but it's like, is that a sizzle to anybody? Now, that's one I bet, like, let's say they do that, Frank. I bet every – not that it matters, but every preseason magazine or predictions, 13th in the West, 14th, mm-hmm. 12th. I mean, no one's saying play. Watch out no. for the game. You know, yeah. Hey, Fox is improving, and Halliburton's nice, yeah. but there's not enough air. They won this amount of games last year. Look for them to win 32. Yeah. Like, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they, they need a splash. They, they haven't had one. Uh, I mean, the Harrison Barnes deal was kind of mm-hmm. – that, that, that was kind of like a little watered down, though, because he had been struggling in Dallas. and I mean, yeah, look uh, what they ended up giving up for him. It was yeah. Justin Jackson, who's yeah. now on the bench in, in Milwaukee, you know, dressing street clothes in Milwaukee, and I think a second-round pick yeah. in for, Zebo, for yeah. Harrison. Yeah. And Zebo, who didn't play a game for them. Yeah. The biggest splash, like the last big splash the Kings made, I think, where people were like, Rudy's what was Rudy? Yeah. We're like, whoa. Like, and he wasn't – he's never made an all-star well, he was team a, or anything. He was but, a depressed asset at that yeah. point. He was in Toronto – shooting like 30, 40% from the yeah. field and they weren't winning anything and him and DeMar were tra- – yeah, it, it is well, funny that – that was a that, nice yeah. move. Like felt like a good move Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but now, I mean I, – I, and the thing is, I don't know – to your point, I think you, you mentioned earlier, I don't know what position necessarily they would try and attack if they were to try and go after this star because also, I mean – they're also at limit uh, to who is available, you know. Like right, obviously, right. the team has to be willing to part ways with their star in order for the Kings to acquire them. But um, I don't know. Super interesting, super super interesting stuff. I was kind of hoping that they would have gotten involved with the Aaron Gordon stuff back mm-hmm. when that was going on because I, I just think having a, a player like him on the team would be would be kind of nice. Just mm-hmm. not a hole at the power forward spot, but yeah. um, just a type of splash. Not like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think power forward center would be a good spot if Rashawn doesn't come back. But again, mm-hmm. we don't know anything until no. moves happen. That's mm-hmm. a kind of tough spot because, like you said, if the nine pick has a name attached to it, it might decrease its value. It's just you know, it's a whole thing. So, like when uh, when Wiggins was traded from the Cavs to um, from the Cavs, the T Wolves. They knew that Kevin Love. I mean, they knew what they wanted. I'm sure mm-hmm. they communicated. It's, it's not as clear cut at nine. It's no. not. They, they can't make a, a deal. In anticipation, no. no. Yeah. So exactly. All right. Well, anyways, uh, Suns and five. <laughs> no. No. Mm-mm. Oh. No. What do you got? Clippers and seven. Go. Really? Oh. 
I'll probably I'll probably eat that one, but I like it. I don't I mean, I get why people say it's over, right? But the three wins have I was going to say that last game was not very inspiring Whoever on either side. Whoever lost the game yeah. was going <laughs> to kick themselves. It happened to be the Clippers. It was what? 70 It was I think 77 forever. questionable calls down final. the stretch too, yeah. so. Yeah. And we you know when people have and, said oh, this now like, "Oh, Booker's not going to shoot that poorly." He's They've defended he did. him well. Yeah. That's like three games in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Clippers haven't shot that poorly collectively mm-hmm. as a team. So, um, again, the there's the miracle tip-in, which they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, they won by two possessions. The game four was – I just don't think there's a big disparity. It's 3-1. All it takes is one more win, and it's over. But I don't know that the Clippers will win in seven. I just don't think it's over. I mean, I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I – I, I can really see the Clippers winning all three. I mean, it, it, it might end in five, but I, d- I just don't see a – there's a larger discrepancy to me by far between Atlanta and Milwaukee yeah. than there is between the Clippers and Suns. They could play 20 mm-hmm. games, and it's probably 10-10, mm-hmm. even without Kawhi. Say the Clippers win tonight. Does Kawhi play in game six? Ask I think he's done. I don't know what's going on. He's got to be done. I mean, yeah. he needs I like, even... It must be like a high-grade like sprain of his ACL or My something. My understanding was he wasn't going to play. Like right. It was a shut-and-dry case, but then – as I've seen, like as the series have progressed, it's kind of seemed like there's some notion that he could come back, but it just, yeah. especially with a knee, I mean, like being vague, I've been very vague about it. And yeah. I think I mentioned last week, like Kawhi is not the guy to like risk his career on no, these no. things. He's very, very he was, careful. That's why he like, left San Antonio. Yeah, like he was so fool, resentful. This fool will literally load manage like 20 games right. a year. Like he, he he's not going to push it, and regardless if, of what the yeah. situation is. And the pushing it would be to play in game five, right? Mm-hmm. And that's desperate. You're down mm-hmm. 3-1. Like it's it if you don't win. But well, Also, I don't know if this has any impact on it at all, but Kawhi was on the court when Kevin Durant retore his Achilles you know he saw personally what this thing can do if you come back and the last thing Kawhi wants is to miss another two seasons because of a freak injury yeah I mean they certainly miss him but I think the Clippers have adapted Reggie Jackson's done more Zubats Mm -hmm. has been good Paul George I mean it's it's I don't know funny I I think Marcus Morris is the key I mean if they can figure out how to get him to to make Aiton look a little bit worse. I mean, yeah. make Aiton look like a normal NBA basketball player instead of like baby shadow, like Hakeem Olajuwon or something like that. Yeah. But like, I, I, it's just, it's a really weird series. I didn't see, I thought the Clippers had another side to them. Like it, it really is surprising to me. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised that they're playing worse without Kawhi, sure. but after they were able, and it was definitely a little bit of Utah's fault as well. But after they were able to take care of Utah, I thought they were going to come in here you know the Suns are a different, like you said. They're yeah. they're you know they're a good team, but if if there's no reason why there should be this, uh, it's not really a disparity because, like you said, no. the games have been close. But well, I, I don't think it's a three-one series. Yeah, and I think game one, you know, we'll all forget about it. But there were so many disadvantages to the Clippers. They played an mm-hmm. emotional. Remember, they came back from what like twenty-five down. Mm-hmm. To win game, so they're thinking, "Oh crap, are we gonna have to go back to Utah for Game Seven? It's yep. a Friday night. They come from twenty-five down. Terrence Mann has the night of a lifetime." And celebrate with this is something we've never done. Like eight hour, nah, ten hours yeah. later, they're flying to Phoenix, and then they have to play a day game at twelve thirty on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I thought they had no chance in that game, and it mm-hmm. was down to the end. Yep. And Booker had his first career playoff triple double, and they lost by I think four. Yeah. 
So I'm like, man, there's not a big difference in this series. Game two, exactly. They almost stole, and it's the you tip can't at the do buzzer. that. But like, if that goes the Clippers' way, it's a two-two series, right. or they have to win the game that they uh, the game four. If they win that game, yeah. then, and it's three-one the two, other two. way, exactly. Right. Like, so it, it's really close. I think game five will maybe be the most difficult because the Suns fans will be mm-hmm. just going losing nuts. Their minds. Like, but that's a big like the Suns want to end it, obviously. Mm-hmm. We have to go back to like if the Clippers can win Game Five, I can really see it going seven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the that's the if, right? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure that's what the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You win Just Game win Five, right. Game Six is at home, yeah. Game Seven. You never know what's going to happen. Because I would tell sound myself, familiar Yankee fans. Yeah, stop, stop. Yeah. Sorry, we'll edit that. Sorry, clip, clip. my bad. We're going to cut that out. We're going to cut that out. But I would tell myself that though, honestly, if they won Game Five and be going home, look, we should have won Game Two. We didn't, right? Yeah. So the are they better than us? Whatever. Let's go win game six at home and then mm-hmm. put all the pressure on them in game seven. But yep. So, uh, so it could be wrong. Q Andrew Bogut. Bucks. Bucks and six. Bucks and seven. I'm staying with Bucks and five. Bucks and five. Yeah, that feels. I just yeah. I, I don't know. I'm with you. I think there's one. a big, big disparity between the two teams. I am shocked that Atlanta's even putting up the fight. Well, game now, two is a different story. Yeah. But the fact that they've even been able to hang with them, I think, is a yeah. testament to Trey Young, but also now like, he's hurt too. He's, he's, he's yeah, and he looks like he's wheel. pretty banged up. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, towards the end of that game, he was. I mean, it was they were really leaning on Gallinari, which big on Gallinari. And that was awesome to see. But Bogey's playing hurt because he's really dropped off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, he's really not explosive. Yeah. You just if you, again easier said than done. But the more you can get the ball out of uh, Trey Young's hands, mm-hmm. they don't have playmakers. Bogey's yeah. not explosive. Yeah. I thought they should play Lou Williams more. He's not the yeah. same guy, but just then what? Then it's a lot on Herder. He's done some nice things, but mm-hmm. they just don't have another playmaking guard. And it's not John Collins isn't a guy you can give the ball to and clear out. Really, yeah. no. He, he's good on the break or he's good on lobs yeah. and stuff like that. Which but. the irony of this, it hasn't really worked out for either team too much. But if Lou Williams was still on the Clippers and Rondo was still on the Hawks, I think that's better for mm-hmm. both teams right now. Yep. And not that they're bad on either one, but. Lou was better as the Clipper and Rondo. I think right now would be really helpful for the Hawks. Really helpful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I I wasn't even. I haven't thought about this, but would you say Bogey's kind of a little not injury prone, but like he's kind of got that in his game where it's like nagging. Yeah, a little. Well, he never stops. He never stops playing basketball. That is also a great point. He 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 plays plays all summer long. You're. I mean, I'd imagine he's going to play in the Olympics this summer. Yeah, it's it's just his life, and he he. He's always had those kind of problems with, with his That's lower so body. Because so. yeah, I don't think he had a single season with the Kings where he came into the season either fully healthy or fully rested. If I, I'm I I want to say it was the, his last the year. bubble year. Yeah. I think last season he came in and I think he had the first break in his career. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the summer before that, he had he was like the MVP almost of the the yeah. uh, uh, Euro. was it Euro Euro ball. Yeah. I think. I mean, it was he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. like twenty eight seven and seven a game. Mm-hmm. He made like the the first team, um, but you see, Jokic isn't playing in the Olympics this summer. I would bet right. I'd imagine Bogey will play, but you never know. Uh, I think he's having a knee issue right now, though, and mm-hmm. that's he was questionable a couple times, but mm. he's not the same. Um, There's no Kings on Team USA, so nope. we should be we should be very well rested for next season. Hey, how scared How scared <laughs> were you guys in 2016 watching Bogey play in the Olympics? Because I was horrified. I like I was, I was afraid just... he was going to cause an international incident. <laughs> Me too. I was the, like the Valanchunas. The Valanchunas thing was, was, like, was so was This so guy funny. is going. By the way, how about Boogie missing that free throw? Do you think uh, he knew about the rim rule? 
I don't know because he missed that. Like he that does was not have a good series. <laughs> no, he barely, he's played like two minutes. Yeah, it makes me it makes me sad. It makes me really sad. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, say what you will about Demarcus's time here, but the dude was the best talent I've seen here since. I mean, at least since Weber. Yeah. And for They're for him top. for his for his career to go how it's gone, it's just it's sad. I mean, I'm I'm I am very glad that we got the best years yeah. of him, but. Obviously, this is this is not the way I would have yeah. wanted it to go. I just think of him in this series. I, I don't know what he was doing on the, defending the lob. I don't know what he did mm-hmm. on the free throw. He's pushing Booker. It's like, come on, DeMarcus. Yeah, that inbound pass was just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. he, we, 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 we know about inbound pass yes. from the, Mem- the Memphis yes. series. <laughs> That's what he needed to do was yeah. try to tip the just, ball. It was like, yeah. if he tips it, the game's over. Just and clock starts. They mm-hmm. needed NBA analyst Ryan Hollins to yes. go out there. And, and <laughs> he did tip it, by the way. Yeah. But, and or, else? which I honestly, I'll say, I didn't know that rule. Then stand under the, the rim to Marcus and just block it. Mm-hmm. No goaltending. Yeah, exactly. Put yeah. your hand through the rim. That yeah. was new to me, too, but then I remember, I can't remember what happened before. Um, oh, on the uh, the Tyson Chandler thing, how that's how the Suns, they, they oh, knew yeah. that, that it's yeah. it's not it's that, not a thing. Yeah. It's not a goaltending. I forgot about that, mm-hmm. and then I went on Twitter and saw someone say that. I'm like, oh, I remember that that Yeah, lob. that play was crazy. That was from a side out of bounds, yeah. wasn't it? it was. Where they like throw it, and he like he caught it on the other side yeah. of the rim, and yeah. yeah, that was insane. But between Zubats and Demarcus, just bad, just yeah. bad, bad defense. Like yeah. mm-hmm. Zubats is getting dunked on, and Boogie's just kind of. I mean, yeah, back. they're making good on DeAndre Ayton, but they they are really making him look like he is. He's the number one pick he's in the pa- draft. Like Patrick he's looking Ewing. great. Yeah, he's really, really looking great. Which good on him. But I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to to crown his ass. If uh, <laughs> to, to to quote the great Dennis Green. Yes, rest in peace. All right, it's my coach. All right, all right. Um, all right. How how are you guys, Yankees, doing? I saw Garrett Cole lost the other day. Oh, Jason. Jason Mike is off. All uh, right, uh, Frank. Long uh, season. Long season. <laughs> long season. Well, I saw Aaron Judge is hitting Flippers well, so that's seven. good. <laughs> There we go. Uh, for Jason Ross, Frankie Cardicelli, I'm Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Uh, bye bye. Shout out, Pfizer. <laughs>